Steve, that was beautiful. Let us start by praying. Holy Father, we thank you for this day, Lord, and we thank you that we can be in your presence and we can worship you together as the body of Christ, Lord. Father, we know that there are so many things you have to teach us. And Father, we're no, we know that you're dealing with a stubborn people and a difficult people at times. And Lord, we know that you still love us despite the sin that we have in our lives and despite the stubbornness that we have. You love us with an everlasting love, with a love that died for us, that we could have eternal life. And Father, we thank you for that. And as fathers, we're moving forward with the service here, and uh, we begin to learn what you have to teach us today. We ask that you move in our souls, Lord, that you teach us, and that you equip us, Lord, and that our hearts will be open to what you're trying to teach us today. For we know, Lord, that your word is greater than anything that we can think or say. Your word is greater than anything, Lord, for you are above all, and there is none greater than you. So, Lord... Let us take heed to what you have for us today, and we just ask that you take it and uh, multiply it in our hearts, Lord, that we may go out and do the work you've given us to do, and that we can be encouragers to people around us, Lord, and that we can be that light that you want us to be. And we ask all this in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. In this life... We all experience many different things. We experience happiness and sadness. We experience difficulties and also times of peace, times of turmoil. We experience love. We experience hate and anger and excitement, times of wonder and times of hope. And we could just go on and on with uh, all the things that we experience in life. However, the one thing that we experience on a regular basis and without fail is the experience of sinning. Every one of us experience sin in our lives and it's something that we battle with on a daily basis. And we often wonder, how can you love me, God, when I do the things that I do? And how can, um, how can I ever measure up to the standard that you have written in the law. And of course we know we cannot. At least this side of heaven, we cannot. And we find ourselves giving in to the temptation. And it's constantly getting in the way in our lives. We like doing what we want to do even though we know it's wrong or we lash out in selfish anger, or we lie, or we gossip, we slander others, we deceive, we're boastful, envious, we indulge with possessions, money, food, working too much, laziness, etc. The list goes on of the sins that we can commit. And as a Christian, I know personally I get frustrated and angry with myself and I wonder how a righteous and pure God could ever forgive me time and time again. There are Christians who even want to give up on their faith 
because they feel hopeless in their sin. But you know, we serve a God who is greater than our sin. And I'm going to expose myself a little bit today. I'm going to be transparent about a particular sin that I struggle with in my life. As, so it's a kind of an example. And I know that sin thrives when it's hidden. When we try to hide it from others and we try to hide it from the, from the world and from God, it multiplies and it grows. It's only when sin is exposed to the light that change can truly happen. And the particular sin that I'm going to share with you that I've struggled with in my own life is the sin of anger. Because over my lifetime, I have gotten pretty angry at times. And uh, when you're a single person and you're living alone, I'm going to kind of take it from the uh, point of view slightly before I got married until now. When I first got, when I was single, I didn't really have uh, a lot of interaction with uh, someone in a house with me on a daily basis. I didn't have kids in the house. I didn't have a wife in the house. And the interactions that I had with people at work and things, it's pretty easy to keep sometimes your temper under control. And however, when you have somebody living with you day in and day out, it becomes more of an issue. Your sin becomes more exposed because when you get angry about something, you only hold it in so long, and then you let it out, you lash out. And early in my marriage, that was a pretty big problem for me and Jen. And I remember the day that I just asked God, Lord, change me. Change my way of thinking about getting angry. Change my responses. Help me, because I can't do this by myself, Lord, because I know my flesh wants to lash out. And by God's grace, I believe, and I think my wife would uh, confirm, that my temper is much more under control today than it was uh, 10 years ago. However, it's still not perfect. It's still not. Just today. I'm going to use an example today. Me and Jen were sitting on the porch, we were having a cup of coffee, we are enjoying ourselves, and all of a sudden a subject comes out about uh, a tire mark in the driveway. Jen said it was the yard, I said it was the driveway, and it became an argument. And I'm like, you know what, I, we literally got into a, probably a 10 minute discussion about this, about the driveway and a mark in the driveway. I wouldn't let it go, and I was like determined that I'm right here, right? I let my temper get in the way of that conversation. And we all know that a happy wife is what? A happy life, right? I forgot that momentarily this morning. I really did. I forgot it temporarily this morning. But I did apologize to her before we left the house, you know, because I, I, I walked away and I was irritated with myself that I let something like that irritate me. Why did I care? about that mark in the driveway um, that it bothered. Why didn't I care that it bothered her? See, it didn't, the mark in the driveway doesn't bother me. The problem was I didn't care that it bothered her or I wouldn't have responded in the way I did. And I, I walked away and I got mad at myself. I'm like, I did it again. See, so this is a, a battle for each one of us. And we all have these things in our lives. And we can choose 
to say, you know what, I don't care. I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm not going to worry about who it harms, what, what, what harm comes from it or anything. I'm, this is what I want. This is what I believe. I'm right. So that's just the way it is. Or we can choose to live the way God wants us to live. And he wants us to live in a righteous way. Let us go to Romans chapter 7. How should we respond to sin in our lives? Why do we still desire evil when we love God? There are questions we all have asked in one form. These are questions we all have asked in one form or another in our lifetime. So in Romans 7, and starting in verse 7, let's see what what Paul wrote about this battle with his sin. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? Certainly not. Indeed, I would not have known what sin was except through the law. For I would not have known what coveting was really was if the law had not said, do not covet. But sin Seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment produced in me every kind of covetous desire. For apart from the law, sin is dead. I once was alive apart from the law, but when the commandment came, sin sprang into life and I died. I found that the very commandment that was intended to bring life actually brought death. For sin, seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment, deceived me, and through the commandment put me to death. So then, the law is holy, and the commandment is holy, and righteous, and good. Did that which is good then become death to me? By no means. But in order that sin might be recognized as sin, it produced death in me through what was good, so that through the commandment, sin might become utterly sinful. We know that the law is spirit, but I am unspiritual. Sold as a slave to sin, I do not understand what I do. For, uh, for what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate to do, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. I know that nothing good lives in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For what I do is not the good I want to do. No, the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it but it is sin living in me that does it. So I find this law at work. When I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in my members, waging a war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within my members. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, I myself, in my mind, am a slave to God's law. 
but in the sinful nature, a slave to the law of sin. So the title that I placed on the sermon today is, Does Sin Win? And the reason I placed that on there is obvious, because we all sin, we all struggle with sin, and it's a constant battle in our lives, as we want to do the right things that we should do, but we end up finding ourselves many times not doing the things that we should do. And I'd like to mention also that in the first six uh, verses of this chapter, we learned that not only that the law, or we learned that the law only has authority over a person only as long as he or she lives. So as long as we live, the law has authority over us. Once we die, the authority that the law has over us is no more. For an example, in marriage, a couple is bound to one another as long as they both shall live. When one member of that marriage passes away, they are no, the person who is living is no longer bound by the law of marriage. Right? So you're free to go marry someone else if your spouse dies. You're not considered an adulterer because that marriage is terminated at, at the time of death of one of the members of that marriage. In the same way, when a person becomes a child of God, we died to the law through the body of Christ, our Lord, in order that we might bear fruit. So you see, the law has power over us. The power of death, I will even say, over us to the point that we become a Christian. Once we become Christian, the power of the law no longer exists in our lives because we are living by the power of the Spirit. So though we still sin, so though we still struggle with sin, and though we still may face the penalty, we uh, are bound by the law from that perspective, but we know that when we die, we're going to be in the presence of God. So the, once a Christian has, uh, once you become Christian, you have the ability to uh, know in your mind and your heart that God loves you with an everlasting love. He has provided a way for you through the death of Jesus Christ on the cross that you will live eternally. So though we in this flesh experience sin, that sin has no power over us. The only power that we allow it to have over us at times is in our own mind. But God is the one who is in control of our lives. It's not the sin that has control over our lives. And what we have to do as brothers and sisters, each one of us need to do when we sin, is recognize it and turn it over to God. Because God is the one who will help us overcome sin. We will not overcome sin outside of God working in us. It's impossible. That's why for us to sit there when we know someone's not Christian and saying, why do they keep doing that over and over again? They know that that's wrong. They know what the consequences of it's going to be. They're living a life in the way that they know how. They're living in sin. And if you don't have Christ in you, you can't make that change. It's only once Christ comes into you that you can make the change in your life because God is working in you and he is the one working out that change in your life. Which draws the question in verse 7, is the law sin? And Paul responded to his own, own question. He said, certainly not. The law certainly 
is not sinful in any way, but the law does have an important connection to sin. It gives us knowledge that we have sinned. It is a law that exposes our sin. It is the one, it's how we know that we are lawbreakers. It is not for those who live by the Spirit. We have been freed from the penalty of the law. And the law gives us an inescapable knowledge of the wrongfulness of our sinful acts, doesn't it? That's why when we end up committing sin like I did today, when I got angry about, with this conversation with 